And part of what we're talking about is the difference between ritual purity and purity of the heart, God's purity, his definition of purity. And usually when we think about this, and as we look a little closer at, at the scriptural uh, setting of purity and God's holiness and how they fit together with us, uh, we're going to see that ritual purity, when we think of it normally, we think of the Old Testament rules. We think about the priest who would die if he had not done what he was supposed to, to be ritualistically pure before he came into the presence in the tabernacle. And so remember, they had the, the cord tied to his leg so that if he died during the process of his duties by making a mistake or having a mistake of the heart, they'd drag out the dead body. Uh, so there was ritualistic things that people had to do. And so, and we know some of them today, we've come to understand have something to do with disease too. Uh, it makes perfect sense, some of the Old Testament rules, which kept people from spreading disease in certain circumstances. That's interesting to me. But the key is not that. The key for me is that in the Old Testament, all we could do was go through some steps and ritualistically be pure as we came to God. And it's only his mercy and grace and looking forward to Christ's death that allowed us to have any mercy from him at that point in history. So I'm tempted to think that ritualistic purity is over. I'm tempted to think that now through Christ, and we saw that we'll see that in our video today from the Bible Project, that we've passed from a time where we had to be ritualistically pure because we couldn't really be pure in heart because Christ hadn't died for us, to today where we can be pure in heart according to God's, God's salvation plan for us. And so we tend to think that ritualistic purity is gone. Technically it probably is, <clears throat> but one thing I'm going to remind us about today is we are pretty good as human beings at still wanting to dip back into the law. We're really really, really creative when it comes to developing things that we normally do, which then the word normal becomes capital N, and then it becomes capital R for rules, and the first thing you know, we're judging each other. <clears throat> so the short version of where we're going today, if you don't listen to anything else or have to leave in a hurry, uh, is this. Uh, that holiness, it brings purity to those who accept Christ. And it can bring daily purity. It can bring a more pure lifestyle as we see God, see his holiness and know his holiness. By accepting God's gift of Christ's death and resurrection, paying for our sins, we are pure right now. I can't believe that. I've said that before, but I have a hard time believing it, but it's true. Uh, we, are, we are today, if we trust in Christ, his death has made us pure in God's sight. By following God's outline and steps towards holy living, because we all understand we could come up with a list very quickly of things that the Bible tells us to do to be not just ritualistically pure, but pure in our walk. But by doing those things, uh, we, we find that our hearts leaning and our daily decisions and our daily actions will be more Christ-like. They'll be more God-like. And that is the process of, of gaining purity on a daily basis. And then as we live those pure daily lives, we can better see and understand the degree of God's holiness. And the video will give us some insights in that too, as we watch in a few minutes. But I can't see and understand God's holiness unless I'm walking through the day, trusting him, having known him as my savior, and then taking steps at looking for his holiness, looking to understand how holy is the standard that I need to strive for. And my seeing God as holy, makes all the difference 
in how I relate to him and react to him and how I go about the process of obeying or disobeying. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit. And then we become the source of living water for those around us. One of the greatest you know, pieces of, of visualization that I see in this video as we watch it is that living water flowing out of the temple. We'll see that. And then the fact that the living water is what greens the earth in terms of spiritual things and greens the people around us. And that you and I are each God's temple at this point, if we know him as our savior. And what should be flowing out of us is clean, pure water. And uh, so before we watch that, <clears throat> that uh, video, I thought I'd mention about, uh, actually, I want to thank Justin and whoever else helps to make sure that the uh, live streams are working. So last week I wanted to be here so I could hear Nick, uh, you know, the week before, I want to make sure I don't say something he, you know, said something different about, not that we would ever do that in scriptural terms or anything, but, uh, and uh, so I, I was able to listen to it, even though we had to be in Philadelphia supporting our family. So thanks for that. Uh, and uh, Nick, Nick, let me summarize what Nick said in three words. No, I'm just teasing. You could never, you could never do that. Uh, but, but, but one thing that Nick ended with uh, he reminded of a scriptural theme, and that is that we are to be set apart for God's service, for God's use. And when we talk about holiness, God's holiness, our becoming holy, we talk about purity. That was the setting of our talk today. It's for the purpose, not of just being, not of just even helping others, but so that we can be what flows, you know, and, and serve him in the life of others, not just serve, serve ourselves that way. Uh, we don't know. He also mentioned we don't know when or how he's going to use us. And uh, oftentimes it's when we're by the side of the road. He didn't mention the word ditch, but I mentioned the word ditch. And he didn't mention the word muddy from being in the ditch. But I mentioned in my, in my picture, it was like I'm feeling worthless. But if, I, if I'm in Christ, if I'm seeking his purity in my daily life, he can use me. And, and he does. And sometimes he cleans us quickly and uses us. Sometimes it's he uses us in our dirtiness to tell somebody else we're struggling and encourage them in their struggle. But the point is that that's the thing. <clears throat> so uh, today I'm going to just read this paragraph. A few things today I'll read because I worded them and I'd like to stick to what I said uh, instead of embellishing and kind of going off a track. Uh, today's topic is holiness brings purity. We often define purity as being without anything, without anything but good. And I'm tempted to think we would just find it totally different. If I was to say today, tell me what purity means. The first thing that's going to come to our mind because we're human beings is not this, not this, not this, not this, not this. Okay. If there's nothing else we get from today and the video today, it would be to try very, very, very hard in life. Not to try not to be something, but to try to be something. Uh, I can't speak with any authority, but I've had just a little training on the subject of counseling and addictions <clears throat> and parental involvement in our lives. <clears throat> and uh, one thing that will happen is a person will have uh, a father or a relative who was a certain way. And they will grow up saying, I will not blank. Doesn't matter what it is, okay? It might be a gambler, okay? I will not gamble. I will not whatever. By the time they get done with five years of saying that, what is on their mind? What is it consuming them? It's the word. It's the thought. It's the practice. And sometimes we struggle so hard against something 
that it becomes a part of who we are and then becomes a tendency. But the point is, we often define purity as the negative. We need to work hard at defining it more in the positive so we can focus on the good as we become and go through each day. But we think of our lives <clears throat> this past week. No, what I was going to say, we're, so we're supposed to be set apart for God, right? So I'm not going to ask you to share anything. I don't want you to share anything. I don't even want you to give me an expression, okay? But I want you to think of how you failed God this week. I mean, I know I did. I know you had to. But when I think of, you know, he calls me to holiness and purity, and then I look at my week, it might have been thoughts. It might have been my driving, which, by the way, I'm doing okay with that. Uh, you know, I've shared that one time, you know, COVID, COVID driving had me going 80 something. Yeah, we come on uh, 80, I think of you. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> Do you feel any sense, either. any sense of responsibility to back it off? Uh, but the point is we can all look back at our week and say, was I, was I holy, you know? Uh, and then the first thing we know, we're, we're thinking of our dirt person nature and we're thinking of negative thoughts and I think I shared once before, there were many times in my life where I would go to pray to God and then say, I am a worthless worm, but I got to come to you. OK, well, the thing is, that's wrong. It was always wrong. I am no longer a worthless worm, no matter how bad my week was, no matter how bad I failed. I mean, I could be catastrophic. It could be colossal. But in Christ, I am a new creature and I am not the worm. OK, and so I am his child coming before him. <clears throat> to beg his forgiveness quickly, but then to move into it. So <clears throat> our theme today is to talk a little bit about that holiness and that purity. Uh, that purity. Um, the other thing that we happen is that this, this sounds like a, a man-made problem, and I'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's go ahead and uh, watch our video. But before we do, uh, I want you to think of a, a couple things. Uh, well, actually, no. We'll wait just a minute, Lisa. I'm sorry. How many of you saw the Jesus Revolution movie? Yeah. A couple. Okay. Uh, a summary of the Jesus Revolution movie, it had to do with the way the Jesus people of the 70s. It had to do with the established church looking at these relatively dirty people, meaning by that that their lifestyle was the old shoes without, you know, uh, feet without shoes and you know, uh, living kind of on the land and doing all kinds of, of just normal human stuff, but with, with taking the conventions of society and throwing them away. And, you know, many of you can remember some of the, the riots in the old days that seemed to be that. But the drug culture kind of bred a Jesus culture. In other words, people rebelled against the drug culture and got into Jesus, but they got into it in a drug culture kind of way. OK. And those of us that were in the faith at that time, and I was pretty young, but the movie portrays the people of the established church, much like the religious leaders in the, in the video, as seeing these Jesus people worshiping Jesus, sound and pure in heart, but looking stinky, okay? And not at all adhering to any of the conventions, and they just couldn't handle it. And so there was this clash. Uh, and it just reminded me of the ritual purity that we demand of each other today. At that time in history, we were a very, very tightly uh, defined society of what was right and what was wrong. OK, women never wore white after Labor Day. You know, I mean, you could get down a list of things that became rules of society that they actually became measures of what was right and wrong in church. And they became you know, rules about, well, how can we worship together if I'm distracted by your, you know, white dress, you know, in fall and. 
And as simplistic as that sounds, it just reminds me that even as we look at the video with the, the purity and impurity, and we look at the ritual purity and what, we have to be really careful as a body. Even here, <clears throat> and we're a pretty laid back group, okay? But we have to be really careful that we don't judge others according to ritualistic purity things instead of actual God's measure of things. So as we watch the video, <clears throat> a couple of things I want us to look for. So I want you to look at the visualization of what happens when an Old Testament follower of Jesus or God, not Jesus, an Old Testament follower of God touches something unclean. Just see the visualization. I want you to see what happens then after uh, Christ comes of what happens in that transfer of unclean to clean. I also want you to remember our conversation a few months ago about justification and sanctification, the fact that I'm justified because God lets Christ take all my sins, uh, but I'm not sanctified yet. I'm still that dirt person struggling to be pure on a daily basis. Uh, and then I want us to uh, just get an, over, an overall flow or feeling about the video, because I will ask us, we'll discuss that for just a little bit. You've probably heard the word holy before, or at least sang it in a church song once or twice. And for most people, this idea is really just connected to being a morally good person. So God is holy because he's morally perfect. Yeah, that is part of it. But in the Bible, the idea of holiness is even bigger and more rich. What it's really describing is how God is the creative force behind the whole universe. He's the one and only being with the power to make a world full of such beauty and life. And so all these abilities, they make God utterly unique, which is the meaning of the word holy. So a helpful way to think about God's holiness is by using the sun as a metaphor. The sun is unique, at least within our solar system, and it's really powerful. It's the source of all this beautiful life on our planet. And so you could say that the sun is holy. And you can actually take this metaphor even further in that the whole area around the sun is also holy. Yeah, because the closer you get to the sun, the more intense it gets. Yeah, exactly. So that very power and goodness that generates all this life is also dangerous. I mean, the sun, if you get too close, will annihilate you. And in the same way, there's this paradox at the heart of God's own holiness, because if you're impure, his presence is dangerous to you. And not because it's bad, but because it's so good. And so the first time we see this paradox of God's holiness, it's in the story of Moses and the burning bush. So God tells Moses to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And Moses covers his face in fear, and God says, hey, don't come any closer. It's intense. It's actually that intensity of God's holiness that's explored even more in the stories about Israel's temple, which was the main place where God's holy presence was located. And at the center of the temple was this room called the most holy place, the hot spot of God's presence. And whether you're an Israelite living in the land around the temple or a priest working right in the temple, you're in proximity to God's holy presence, which is dangerous. Yeah, this is a problem. So how's it supposed to work? Well, in the Bible, the solution is that you need to become pure. So like being morally pure. Yeah, and that's easy enough to understand. But the Bible spends a lot of time talking about another kind of purity, being ritually pure, which is a state where you separate yourself from anything related to death, like touching things like diseased skin or dead bodies or even certain bodily fluids. All these make you impure. 
And becoming ritually impure isn't necessarily sinful. What's wrong is waltzing into God's presence when you're in an impure state. And so that's why God gave the Israelites very clear instructions for knowing when they were impure, steps to become pure, so that they could go into the temple again. So that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Right. But it doesn't stop there. This idea keeps developing. So later in the scriptures, we find this really interesting story by a prophet named Isaiah. And he has this crazy vision where he's in the temple and he's right in God's presence. He's totally terrified. Yeah, he knows the rules. He shouldn't even be in there. And he's worried about being destroyed. And then this crazy creature called a seraphim. Yeah, that is a crazy creature. (laughs) Totally. So it flies over with a hot coal, and then it sears Isaiah's lips with the coal and says something really weird. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So this burning coal somehow makes Isaiah pure. Yeah, it's remarkable because normally if you touch something impure, it transfers its impurity to you. But now here's this new idea where you have this coal, this very holy and pure object, and it touches Isaiah and it transfers its purity to him. Isaiah is not destroyed by God's holiness. He's transformed by it. I mean, the implications of this are just huge. But there's one more development this time from another prophet, Ezekiel. And he has this vision where he's standing at the temple and he sees water trickling out from it. And then that water turns into a stream and then it grows into a deep river that starts flowing through the desert, leaving this trail of green trees behind it. And then it flows into the Dead Sea, making everything fresh and alive. So instead of becoming pure first and then going into the temple, here God's holiness comes out from the temple, making things pure and bringing them to life. What does it all mean? So we don't know until we meet this man, Jesus. And he claims that he's fulfilling all of these ancient visions, but in surprising new ways. So Jesus, he went around touching people who are impure, people with skin diseases, a a woman with chronic bleeding or dead people. And when he touches them, their impurity should transfer over to Jesus. But instead, Jesus' purity transfers to them and actually heals their bodies. Jesus is like that holy coal in Isaiah's vision. Right. And Jesus claimed that he was the human embodiment of God's own holiness and that he and his followers were now God's temple so that through them, God's holy presence would go out into the world and bring life and healing and hope. And so this is why Jesus described his followers as having streams of living water flowing out of them. So this is our part of the story where we find ourselves now. But Where's this all heading? So the last pages of the Bible end with a final vision about God's holiness. This time it's by a guy named John. And in his vision, we see the whole world made completely new. The entire earth has become God's temple. And Ezekiel's river is there flowing out of God's presence, immersing all of creation, removing all impurity, and bringing everything back to life. So if you haven't listened to the podcast that, uh, that uh, Justin or Nick or whoever puts the link to on our, uh, our website, it'd be an interesting thing to do once in a while. Uh, I'm not a uh, listen to everybody talk to each other casually kind of a guy. In other words, that's like one step down from a prepared topic or a book with a point for me. So I, I, I listen to podcasts a little bit, but uh, I don't like to just be mindless about it, depending on who it is. And uh, so in their podcast, though, they share one thing that they probably would have put in the video uh, had they, they planned it. And they said that, that, that it wasn't in the video. 
And it was about Jesus' role in reconciling God's holiness and uh, our purity. And uh, did you notice one, one just a quick thing before I say this? Did you notice that when uh, man touched something unclean in the Old Testament, the uncleanness kind of just slowly crept up their arm into their body? Now, shift to, this, to the section where the temple and the purity flowed out to the man. It didn't do that. I wonder if they were really aware of that, that they did it intentionally, but the purity happened like that. See what I mean? It didn't flow in gradually. Now, the reason that I'm hoping the reason that is, is they were showing us, they were telling us that we become pure the instant we're saved. Now, the daily purity, the daily lifestyle, the tendency to do right things. Okay, that's a different process. Okay, you could visualize that in a more progressive way. But I thought that was interesting. But what they said was, God's holiness and love come together through Jesus' death and resurrection. So that's what reconciles those two, you know, our imperfectness and his perfectness. Uh, being holy through Jesus allows us to truly be alive. And I think we would, you know, we would certainly agree with that. So, uh, and before we discuss this video, once I would just want to share one more thing. And that is that our tendency as the established church or as even a follower of Christ, all right, <clears throat> I wish... Uh, no, I don't really. I sometimes wish I had a photographic memory or I could never forget something. OK, in other words, uh, my work passwords are a mess. Uh, I, you know, I, I occasionally slip a cog. And even though the same ones for this and that, it's not for that. And I forget which it is. Uh, and I think I'm probably more anal about it than most people. I have a whole list of all these different passwords. Uh, but the key is when it comes to the, the process of. Uh, thinking that I've learned it, so I know it. I've learned it, so I know it. If I knew everything I've already learned in life, I would be super smart. The problem is I don't. I learn it, get tested on it, forget it. I learn it, solve my problem, and forget it. And there's certain things. The problem in spiritual development and church development is we grow, we learn, we move forward, and then people think, at least, that we have that much more, have that much more together than they do. OK, so there's a tendency for people in the room to think Park's 70. He certainly must be spiritually way up here somewhere. But we all just we need to remind ourselves that whether it's personal development or whether it's church development of what works best for our body today, it's not a progressive thing where, you know, OK, uh, you know, I, I wrote down a couple of the uh, the old ones, you know, I mean, some churches think it's it absolutely is sinful to sit down and read scripture. What? OK, that, that's what they teach. Uh, drums are absolutely still not allowed in the church, <laughs> even though they were in scripture. Uh, and we could go down. We could go down a list uh, of that instruments at all. You know, I went to my sister's funeral long ago in life. And the Mennonites sang and there was no instrumentation. And to this day, that's a little mental scar that I struggle with uh, because uh, she was killed in an accident by a Mennonite guy driving a truck. And they were they were working out his forgiveness for that event by singing endlessly without music in a way that they had come to know was the right pure way to do it. So what I'm saying is that sometimes as, as the church and the Jesus Revolution movie showed this a little bit where it, it wasn't necessarily malicious people. It was our tendency as human beings to get comfortable with what we do know, to think of what we what we practice now as the codified tradition that should be 
and then kind of measure everybody around us as we move forward. And we all do it. Everybody does it. I've never, you know, and it doesn't even matter what faith you're in. What, what happens as far as the steps that you go through to make things that are rule that aren't a rule. So I tried to think of illustrations of a time in my life when I uh, was surprised by brightness or loudness or heat. So you've probably all had some of those experiences. You're lighting the grill. You didn't realize there was enough gas in the grill <laughs> and you singe your arm hairs. I've done that. And it's, it's just, it's, it's that instantaneous heat you know, flash, whatever, or you're at the fireworks and you don't realize you're quite as close as you are. And nothing I could come up with was even teeny tiny close to the sun itself or what we should be thinking about in terms of God's holiness. Uh, and, and that's just, it's just such a reminder that it's an incomprehensible holiness that we have to work at comprehending. The only way we comprehend it at all is to go through the process of letting God purify areas of our life and sensing what holiness seems like, feels like at our human level, and then kind of extrapolating that up to what it, what it must be. The other thing I thought was very interesting and, and we need to be reminded about, I do, is that it's not just purity, it's not just power, it's creativity. In other words, it's, you know, the holiness of God involves the creativity your creation of all of this. Uh, I have a secular song I listen to. It's kind of a steampunk thing. And the one line in the song says, as eternal as the sun. And I think to myself, buddy, you don't know what you're talking about. The sun is not eternal. Okay. The sun is not eternal. It's a pile of gas burning, but it's not eternal. And, uh, you know, and then I thought about the illustration of the sun. Then I thought, think of the molten lava that's the center of our earth. Speaking of hot things we can't tolerate and couldn't be a part of, we are in such a precarious situation here on our earth, thinking that a, a rash of tornadoes is a big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but it's nothing compared to the level of God's holiness and the fact that he's keeping that sun doing what it's doing and it doesn't do it on its own. Uh, so just, just so many things. So. Yeah, mankind is very, very good at dismissing things when they want to. Uh, a tiny illustration of that that has nothing to do with our topic, and in, indirectly it does. And that is that we're hearing conversations, and I'm not going to eat into the topic at all, but global warming is melting the icebergs, glaciers, it's rising the sea level, and by such and such a year, they will be, you know, 20,000 feet higher than they are now. It doesn't matter what the number is, Okay. But in the real estate market, the shore properties are going for more and more and more money. Oh, yeah. And the world system is supporting that because it's part of our economy. Okay. In other words, if everybody really, really did believe everything, things would take a little turn. But we have a good way of ignoring. We ignore the fact that the sun is a temporary ball of gas burning. We have, if we ignore the fact that earthquakes are going to be a normal part of our existence, until God comes, because we got this crust outside the molten light. You see what I mean? But we can we can ignore that. So let me focus now a little bit more on God's holiness and our purity, and we'll get into some scriptures for a few minutes. Uh, it, it's I, I said to myself, it's it's incomprehensible God's holiness. We have some scriptures that talk about us. We have the temple, you know, reminder of being God's presence might kill us. Uh, uh, R.C. Sproul uh, is a, a communicator in the Christian faith. 
And uh, he reminded us in Revelation 4, 8, which we won't, we won't look at. Well, yeah, let's, let's look at Revelation 4, 8. In Revelation 4, 8, we have a, a picture uh, of that non-earthly circumstance uh, where we're talking about John's vision of the heavenly. And in Revelation 4, 8, 5, 8, excuse me. No, 4, 8. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and it says... And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian, a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 uh, other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven Lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. Just try to visualize this. It's crazy. Uh, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was like the face of a man. The fourth was like the flying uh, a flying eagle. That's for Don. I think that, that was put in there. Uh, each, of, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under the wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, and here's the part that I want us to pay attention to, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Several things took place today already. Uh, when Sarah picked her songs, uh, the last song that she sang obviously had this built right in. Now, in the song, it's just holy, holy. But R.C. Sprouls reminds us that in the Bible, repetition is important. So if you see an amen and an amen, uh, what it is, it's God saying, hey, this is absolutely finished to end truth. And it's, you know, it's like I'm, I'm giving you the amen now because it's finished. And uh, if any, and this is one of those circumstances where the same word is repeated three times. He's not just holy. He's not just holy, holy, finished and done. He's holy, holy, holy. And God didn't waste his words there. He was just trying to give us some setting for how holy God is. Uh, so we're going to take a, a look at a couple of scriptures now. Let's go to Exodus, 20, uh, Exodus 34, verse 29 to, to 34. And I was trying to kind of catch a, a glimpse of an example of uh, the experiences of being in the presence of God and the differences that it made physically as well as uh, just spiritually in people's lives. And uh, let's see if I can read it better from the screen than I can from the Bible. So when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant. And they were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the elders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and gave him all the commands of the Lord uh, had given him. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil 
and he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been, and when he came out, he told the Israelites what he had been commanded. There's an interesting situation here, you know, where Moses was in the presence of God. Uh, his face shone because of that being in God's presence. And it caused fear and respect and concern by the people that saw him. But the biggest thing I wanted to take from that is the fact that they knew that he had been with God. They knew that. We know there's some New Testament scriptures where, you know, people could tell that the disciples had been with Jesus by the way they talked, by the way they portrayed his truth, by the way they were, were given power by him too. Um, the thing is that when we know more about God's holiness, we're driven to more purity in our daily life. And now purity, I've already mentioned, there's a lot of definitions, you know, some of the primary definitions are not this, not that. But I really want to focus our attention on the fact that rather than being without impurities, which is inevitably what, what we, we do, I want us to think of it as the perfect example of the type that we're talking about, that God is the example. He is he's the definition of holiness. And that in thinking of that, we think of absolute perfection, not as a list of what isn't, but of a, a list of what is, is. And for us to be pure is to be like God. All right. Hey, that's a tough one. All right. Uh, you will never find me saying I'm like God. Okay. But I hope that every one of us can look in the mirror and say, I am more like God than I was last week. That's a different statement. Okay, that's not a, that's not a haughty, prideful statement. And if we base it on our actions, maybe it is. All right. In other words, if we link a certain actual practice in our life and we, we work at just measuring that practice instead of the attitude of heart about the whole thing, we struggle. Then we, we get into list making and we get into that trap again of because I did something, I'm more holy. Now, it's because my heart drove me to do the right thing. It means that God's presence is there and he's driving me and I'm allowing him to. So let's look at uh, Matthew 5, 8 uh, for a minute. What I should do is just have somebody read it who's over there when it comes up. Anybody in the mood to read scripture? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Does that mean that I won't go to heaven unless I'm totally pure in heart? Well, sort of. In other words, remember, I have to be forgiven of all sins in order to go to heaven. But there's also an implication there that the more pure we become in our daily walk with him, the more we see of him, the more we understand of his holiness. And uh, we can indeed then become more like him on a daily basis. And let's go to Hebrews 12, 14. And if you want to be the reader, Kate, you could go right ahead. Uh, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the thing is, we can see God now. We do. We've talked about seeing him in nature. We've talked about seeing him in the lives of others. But the degree to which we see his holiness is the degree to which we will then live in purity and vice versa. We can know him better 
as we become more pure in our daily practice and our daily walk. And Hebrews 12, 14, we're just going to go through a verse as quickly here to get a context for things. Hebrews 12, 14. Oh, I'm sorry. It says, strive in peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Understand they're not telling us there we won't go to heaven unless we don't sin every day. They're telling us there we'll go to heaven because he has forgiven us from what we're going to sin today. But we will see him and know him more as we live a pure life on a daily basis. And then 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see the face, face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall fully know, even as I, have, I am fully known. And this reminds us that although we will grow in him, we will learn his holiness by things that he demonstrates to us. We're still, we're, lo we're looking through a glass. We're looking through a mirror. We're looking through a, a lens that's still this nature, natural dirt person. I can't say that I understand God's holiness. There's no way I ever will. But as I, as I live in him, as I study his scripture, as I pray with him, as I live in community with believers, I can become more understanding of what his holiness is. I can see his creative holiness in the creation that he's allowed man to do. I'm amazed at some things that can be created. I'm amazed now at artificial intelligence, which scares me to death. I'm amazed now by the, the, uh, the uh, device that David just bought to you know, have 3D vision you know, uh, and experiences. The creativity of man comes from God. I can see little glimmers of his creativity in the creativity of arts that's, he, that's here, but it's always going to be dim, and I have to know that, so I have to work at it. And then 1 John 1, 5 to 2, 6. This is the message we have, we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word not to be in us. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also, for the sins of the whole world, we know that we have come to, to know him if we keep his commandments. Or his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Now, I could have saved all these words and just read that scripture at the very beginning. And some of you would say amen. 
because it pretty much encapsulates the concept that we wanted to share today about holiness leading to purity. Our God's holiness allowed us to be totally pure through the blood of Jesus Christ. God's holiness, as we learn it, as we experience it, as we study it, as we see it, as we compare ourselves to the, that improved version of what we understand God to be, drives us to a more daily perfection. And we're working towards that. So a couple of thoughts as, as we close, because the problem is, if I was to now say, let's make a list of 10 things that would help us to be more pure, we would still tend to go back to a list. The list would tend to have the basic things on it, and they would begin with read scripture, which is great, pray, which is great, be in community of followers of Christ, which is great. But there's another list that's a little fuzzier below that. In other words, I have to work as a human being as going through my day, focusing not on the things my mind will generally tell me to focus on. I will always focus on things different than me. I will always judge people according to me. I will always look at anything from food, cultural practices, holidays honored, and yeah, we could get into politics on this one. I, I, I tend to let things in my day still cloud the process of living pure, living in a way that the, the water's flowing out of me. The problem is if I'm standing off in the corner talking to my coworkers about a negative situation at work in a negative way and being quote unquote jaded about my boss, for instance, there's no living water flowing out of me. No. If I'm looking across the, the square uptown here and I'm seeing somebody dressed in a way that I would think would be wrong in whatever category you want to put it in. Okay. And I'm judging that. That's, there's no living water flowing out of me at that moment. I don't really need to judge people. I really don't need to to just have an opinion about whether or not something may or may not be the <laughs> yeah. best thing to do, because those are all ritual purity things. Like even if it was godly, even if it was godly to wear more clothes, okay, for me to have in my mind right then, instead of God loves that person, I need to love that person. I need to accept that person. So maybe like Dave did the other day in the Lego aisle or whatever, you could talk to them. We have to work, not just at being in the word, not just at being, you know, but get, letting God be in us a little bit more in what we do or we say. I really want us to just be encouraged today to think of that visual of living water flowing from us. And uh, may your week be full of opportunities where you get to talk to somebody and you consciously make an effort, perhaps, maybe it's not to talk about politics. I got to tell you, lately, we're not watching the news as much. We turn over to the Dabble channel, you know, where they're renovating a house. Uh, because it just doesn't help me. It just doesn't help me, okay? And, and, it, and it isn't even anything I need to know, usually, because it's things they want me to know to shape and mold my thinking. Right. So uh, just, just little things we can do to make sure our focus stays on. And the other thing I just tell myself is, my opinion about this will not make a bit of difference. I mean, I need to vote, for instance, in the political thing. I need to lobby if I have the, the potential to do it. I need to, to use the system God put in place. When it's the work, I need to sit with my supervisor if there's a problem and just honestly communicate. There's, there's things we can do, but they have to be ways where 
I see a blue flow coming out of me. Okay, uh, so, so look for that this week. Uh, Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure, clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. By the way, I try not to be critical, <clears throat> but the last song we sang, Sarah, I would change the words in that, and I know they weren't your words, okay? Because what it, what it said was, uh, first it said uh, clean, hands. clean hands, right, and then pure heart. They should be changed. Clean hands grow out of a pure heart, okay? And I'm reminding myself this week that we want a clean heart, and that's going to renew my spirit, and that's going to draw me closer to God, and that's going to make it easier for me to focus on doing spiritual things. So let's pray. Father, uh, just humbly come before you saying, nope, I'm not, uh, and, and I want to be, and asking you that each one of us can uh, somehow, as we grow in our faith, and as we grow in our practice of our faith on a daily basis, uh, first, be seeing your holiness uh, in, a, in a functional way to drive us to do things that honor you. And then, Father, I just want that vision of water flowing from me that brings life to other people to be absolutely the driving force uh, in how I try to portray you. And uh, I would just ask for every one of us to have a week where we let your spirit flow from us into the lives of people and encourage them uh, just in whatever way we can. And I just pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.